And hello out there, all of you lasso-holics, and welcome back to Peanut Butter and Biscuits, your Ted Lasso fan cast from the Front Row Network on NPR Illinois. We are here today to review episode 9 of season 2, Beard After Hours, in this episode. Well, not a ton because it's just all beard, so we're just following beard on a crazy night, everyone. I'm Jeremy Geckner, and with me as always, my Peanut Butter and Biscuits co-host, Mr. Craig McFarland. What's up, Craig? That's right. This week it is peanut butter and beard. Yes. A beard, beard fan cast. That is what we're doing <laughs> this week. This is like heaven for me because, of course, Coach Beard is my mo- is my boy. Uh, Brendan Hunt is my boy. And uh, we just get to spend a whole episode with him having some hijinks all around. Uh, I don't know. I guess they're in Manchester or wherever. I I mean, like, where where did they play that semifinal? Uh, Wembley. So it's got to be London. All right. So somewhere code crazy all over London. Um, so this episode is great for me. Yeah, it was a fun episode. It's funny because I wonder what the reaction is going to be because some of these one-off episodes can really be sort of divisive. It it reminds me a lot of when Ryan Johnson directed the Fly episode of Breaking Bad. Some people say that's one of the best episodes of the entire series. Other people say, you know what, um, we wanted more. Like we, it was just like too much (laughs) in the weeds with these characters. Also, I'm thinking of things like the musical episodes that we've had with like Scrubs or the paintball episode we had with community these are ones that traditionally fans tend to really enjoy but they can at least at the offset be a little bit divisive but i see this as kind of like a palate cleanser kind of an episode for us we did have a really emotional episode in man city and i think that this is a nice way to get us back to a bit of brevity a a little bit and to follow one of our favorite characters for sure yeah absolutely and i agree with you i think there's going to be a certain segment of fans like, oh, man, we just came off of this crazy emotion of Man City, and now we're bottling it down into like this beard on a hijinks night uh, type of episode. And But I think you're right, though. It's like, you know, what did Beard say at the end of the last episode? He said, I want to you know, shake this off and everything. So, I mean, we're just kind of following him along there. And, of course, behind the scenes, we both know that this is one of the two extra episodes that they had to put into this season after Apple ordered 10 initially, and then they said they wanted 12. So, it definitely does feel like a, 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 as you said, a bottle-ish episode in terms of the overall arc of the series. Now, obviously, a bottle episode of a show, but it is one of those, I think, that the more people watch it, the more they'll like it. Because we don't get a lot of stuff with Beard um, in this season, and this one I thought was just a really welcome showcase for Brendan Hunt, and I think what makes him really, really great. But um, before we get more into this, though... We got to take care of some business right up here off the top because you, our amazing fans out there, continue to help this show grow. And I know that we want to call you out anytime that you take the time to respond to us and give us some encouragement. So, Craig, you got some people you want to shout out right now? I do. I do. But you know what? I just was thinking back to what I said a little bit ago. I think I meant levity, not brevity. I don't know why uh, (laughs) brevity came into mind, but you know, brevity is something that is wonderful to have. Uh, You can always shoot us an email at front row lasso. It doesn't have to be very long. It could be very brief and we appreciate that. And we got a couple of uh, great emails from listeners. So I wanted to call out those listeners because we really want to encourage you to communicate with us and to interact with us. So check out uh, front row lasso at gmail.com and we may mention you on a future episode too chris and dominique uh sent in some emails to us and you know what they mentioned they both really enjoy the show uh but they both mentioned the exact same thing and that is that we need to have some ladies on this show to be able to give the female perspective for Ted Lasso. Uh, And I completely agree with that. It just so happens that 
the guests that we've had on so far, Nick and Justin, happen to be friends of ours that really enjoy the show. Um, but we also have lots of ladies out there that we want to bring onto the show. And I will mention here that, you know, we started this whole thing in the top of season two, and uh, we are going to go back and re-review to kind of do like a rewind of season one of Ted Lasso as well. So if we don't get other guests on for the rest of the second season, I do promise you we will have lots of opportunities for guests and hopefully reoccurring guests as well uh, as we move forward. So thank you both for sending those emails. I should mention Chris. I think she also left us a uh, five-star review on on Apple Podcasts as well. So thank (laughs) you so much for that. And thank you for the comment there. She also encouraged me to listen to a show called Faded Mates, which is actually a podcast about romance novels. Mm. And it's, uh, I'll tell you what, their take on Roy Kent is something else. It is <laughs> worth the listen if you are a Ted Lasso fan, even if you don't uh, read romance novels. Um, but it was definitely a great experience there. And then also we had another uh, five-star review and they left us a comment as well. And just talking about how they are supportive of us doing a season one recap as well. Uh, I'll tell you what, the, the, the type of support that we're starting to get for this show is just really remarkable to me. So thank you so much to everybody that's left a review or to people that have shot us emails as well. The last bit of housekeeping before we get into this is that next week on your feed, you're going to have a very special episode. And I'm really excited to Hmm. bring an interview to you that's kind of near and dear to my heart. I started using the 10% Happier uh, meditation app over the summer. And I've really tried to make that part of my daily practice. And the host of that podcast, the kind of the creator of that entire industry, that that entire entity is Dan Harris of ABC News. And I'm going to have the chance to sit down and talk to Dan all about 10% Happier because they just recently did a Ted Lasso challenge where they talked about ideas of self-compassion and radical kindness and some of the things that we really love about Ted Lasso. So that's going to be a bonus episode next week on your feed, and I can't wait for you to hear it. Absolutely. So um, thank you again for all that. Again, if you want to contact us, frontrowlasso at gmail.com or anywhere you find the Front Row Network, which we are, of course, a part of at NPR Illinois. So... What do you say, Craig? Let's get into some beard after hours here. Um, this this episode is a, is a trip, man. Uh, <laughs> but again, we get to see my boy Brendan Hunt really showcasing his ability here. Um, so yeah, so we actually pick up right where we left off in the Man City episode with the conversation between Beard and Lasso, um, where they are talking about, um, you know, basically Beard saying he wants to walk this off. He doesn't want to come home with the, the team because he needs to kind of cool down from a really terrible loss. Um, but aside from but we don't get Lasso's perspective this time where we see him walking away. We actually flip the camera and we're walking with Beard. And one of the things I noticed here is that Beard is a little bit annoyed, you know, a little bit a lot more annoyed, especially when he puts that middle finger back up with the bird by bird um, (laughs) back to Ted there. Um, And basically we're going here and we follow him home with this really great opening sequence where they do the Lasso theme song, but very slowed down, very acoustic. Um, We see him on the train home surrounded by all these Man City fans. Um, and we get those great scenes of like, you know, where he's sitting still, but everybody else is sped up. Um, and, you know, then we get him back home uh, to where he starts having the first of many hallucinations of these two 
two soccer analysts, one of which, of course, is a legendary soccer player, Thierry Henry, um, who's going to continue to come back in this episode. Um, but uh, this kind of hallucination of sorts of Thierry Henry really kind of slamming him and telling him he did a bad job and it's his reason it's his fault that the team lost kind of propels him to not stay home and to go out into the London night so Craig what do you think of this opening here um the entire new opening sequence for Beard and his decision to go out talk about that acute acoustic intro man. Marcus that Mumford so, my man Ooh. oh my gosh it was beautiful and it was so cool to be able to see that from his perspective it really sets up the fact that this is going to be a different type of episode for us um, that we're going to have a main character set piece I, I just loved everything about that um, also it was cool seeing the uh, like you said the kind of the, the sped up camera the movement around beard because it does kind of set up this um, sort of surrealism in right. the way the episode is going to be shot. And that continues throughout. And then, of course, the hallucinations of the commentators. That is going to be a, a long running bit in this episode. And I love every second of it. Yeah, this is, I mean, again, Thierry Henry, one of the most legendary soccer players of all time. And I just love that throughout this episode, he just keeps continuing to say, shut up, Thierry Henry. <laughs> so it's just really great. Um, but yeah, so Beard actually starts his night um, back at the familiar pub, at May's Pub. Um, and again, the very first time where we're going to get somebody telling, asking him, like, what the hell happened in this game? May tries to tries to be respectful, but she just can't help herself. And she just lays right into him and stuff but then we get our familiar uh three patrons of the bar um that want to drink with him and he basically says hey we can drink we can talk as long as it's nothing about the game and these three i mean they're the side mvps of this whole episode um but they give you just three amazing questions here which is have you ever been to las vegas um, what's ted like in real life and uh how do you reconcile that the universe is vast but that your existence can end in a moment um, which is absolutely fantastic and he takes the time to answer all three of them too so um of course at the end of this he decides they've drank like god at least 20 beers together um on that table and he decides he doesn't want the night to end and that they're going to try and go to this upscale club but craig what did you think of this conversation with our our three patron friends here and beard one of the things one of the first things that jeremy told me when we became friends um he has this question that he asks of people that uh is just kind of like when other people are like hey how are you what's your day like what is that question that you always ask people jeremy because it reminded me of that in this episode are you what is it that you ask people? are you talking like what's your favorite shape what's your favorite shape <laughs> right away it, it, that's what that's what it reminded me of because it's such a random question i do wish it would have been kind of a fun beat if because they couldn't talk about the game and the match that uh they talk about the great british baking show yeah. i think that that would have been a nice like callback but i understand they don't want to overdo that that was a really great moment uh in a scene from a couple of episodes ago so yeah no i i really enjoy this it sets up the night perfectly it gives him his kind of posse of guys that are going to come with them and we get to see them more because uh we only have been able to see them as the rowdy guys at the pub uh throughout both seasons but it's kind of fun to give them a little bit of character too and they have a great payoff at the end of the episode as well oh absolutely i the the way that they get their their uh due at the end here is is very fantastic but um you know they're talking and again i'm gonna mention his uh las vegas quote at the end of the episode in our tedism section um but 
the uh, they were all just really really great and of course i love that he's talking about you know existence being a simulation um, especially coming on the heels of the matrix 4 trailer which just got released so i just thought that was really really great um but so because they're going to be going to this upscale club i, I forget what it is honey and honey and bark or something like that um i can't remember what the other one sticks and honey or something like that it's something really stupid definitely definitely honey something yeah honey something um somebody will correct us um but hey, did you see that i think that they had like honey sticks on the bar yeah they totally did they totally did all over the place but because since this is an upscale place they have to dress they have a dress code at this place and so may gives them this lost and found box and all of them are dressed up in I mean, I guess you would call it like upscale, you know, Londoner dress, but it definitely looks like rejects from a Guy Ritchie film to me. Um, but Lord knows uh, Beard runs this gambit on the uh, front clerk to get them inside by having them call the place and tell her that her apartment's on fire. Um, which is just mean when you think about it. Um, but of course, then they get into this club and just all kinds of craziness happens. Beard sees this mysterious woman in red that he's going to be tracking all night. Um, and the boys are trying to play pool, um, but they run into these upscale people that want to like bet them 20, <laughs> 20 quid for the uh, shot that they're about to take. And this sets off this amazing sequence of Beard with this Irish accent trying to convince them he's a professor from Oxford. And it yeah. goes perfect. I mean, he does everything. He answers every question Professor McGonagall. Yeah, exactly. What? But did you think Are that you that was going to go like that? They they paced that so perfectly because every question you're just like, oh, there's the one that's going to get him. There's the one. And yep. it never happens. What do you think of this whole opening of this bar? Oh, my gosh. That was just so, uh, so remarkable. I really enjoyed uh, everything about that. It was so much fun. And um, again, it establishes Beard as someone that is really listening and like a true listener um and I, you get that a bunch when in his interactions with ted obviously he is ted's shoulder to uh, cry on he's ted's uh, listening ear but now you get that that pays off in the long run because you're able to be able to uh lean on him for these types of moments. And he even brings that up later on in something that may end up being a Tedism later. So <laughs> we don't have to talk about it at the moment, but yeah, I love this scene. I love the camaraderie that you get from the pub guys versus the kind of douchey Oxford guys yeah. as well. Uh, I love everything about it. Yeah. It's, it's fantastic. And of course, you know, uh, and I, I won't say the quote that I think you're thinking of because, again, Tedism's at the end. But that was a quote that actually really stuck out to me about when they asked him how he was able to answer all those questions. Um, but, of course, this does lead him to once again following this mysterious woman in red uh, through this club. And it leads him into this room with a bunch of TV screens with, I, I guess, like it's like a simulated lava lamp of sorts um, that's kind of mesmerizing him. But, of course, these again change into the hallucinations of Thierry Henry. And I think this is the one where uh Henri actually says that like maybe he wants to kill himself or something like that this was like a pretty disturbing one here but it ends up with um you know like it ends up with beard actually ripping his pants on this and getting kicked out um where he meets the woman again but what what did you how did this hit you this tv room scene because it kind of like jarred me a little bit are you reading into this as noir at this point? Because that's kind of where I was going. That's with very this. noir. Like, you know, the the lady in red kind of setting up this idea of a femme, femme fatale. And you have uh, Beard going into this like odd room. That What, what is that room for? <laughs> no, what, what is the purpose? Is that like a VIP lounge? Or what is the Must purpose be. of that room? Must be. I mean, like a hookup lounge. Uh, yeah, just some kind of I, I VIP place like, for bottle service. I don't know. 
and they like it seriously like uh, weird lava lamps on the tv screens as well um i just you know it does get a little bit dark here and this is where my um i'm really happy your prediction way, my yeah. prediction <laughs> does not necessarily come true here because i had said in the end of the man city episode that the next time we see beard he might be in a hospital bed um i'm really glad that that's not the case but this is where it got to be like oh oh man what are they gonna do with this like what is, what is where is this storyline going yeah uh, so it was a little bit troubling for me for sure yeah and this also i think you're right on with the noir part there because um it's very Chinatowny to me right there where, mm -hmm. you know, you've got like this Jake Gillis type of character. You're right. There's this femme fatale, but there's like, seems to be this impending danger that's around. And this is really the part where we get that. And especially um, once he goes outside and meets the woman, Mary um, uh, on the street. Um, and they have a very, very film noir conversation um, where he's just talking um, about, you know, they're all just talking with this extreme confidence um, and this like kind of undercurrent of sultriness that is just all over film noir, especially again, like a, uh, something like Chinatown. But Mary says she can fix his pants. So we need to go back to her place. Um, and this was so unusual. Like I loved this conversation um, that they have in, in her apartment. But again, really where Beard is, is once again, and this is kind of the undercurrent of the whole episode here is that um, even at the at May's bar, it's basically he has this choice. He can go to Jane, who we learned that he said, I love you to, um, but that she did not say it back. Um, or he can, you know, ignore her and go out and do his own thing. And this is kind of the undercurrent of all of this. And that's kind of where all these answers where she's talking about relationships ending. And he mentions, you know, how all of his happiest memories happen when he's single um, and that that troubles him and stuff. What did you think of this whole interaction here before her boyfriend makes a, a surprise appearance? Again, you're you're getting the character. You're getting so much more about Beard in this episode. It's almost like um, we've gotten glimpses at so many of our supporting characters. At this point, I feel like we know Roy, and I feel like we're starting to know Nate and his <laughs> ego issues uh -huh. and what he's going through. Of course, we know Ted and the big reveal from Man City uh, last week with about his father as mm -hmm. well. So I, I feel like this is our um, way of getting caught up on Brendan Hunt's beard here because like you are given so much exposition throughout this into his thoughts and feelings and kind of his philosophy. You know, Sam uh, is always dropping lines of philosophy at us. You know, mm -hmm. he's always dropping these little bits and pieces of deeper thought. And we get that a bit from beard every now and then, but for the most part, we know him uh, like you love him, Jeremy. We know him as, hey, baby. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> uh, that's that's who Beard is for us. And so it's really great to be able to see uh, him in a more uh, personal sense. And I think that that's what you get kind of out of the scene. And then he gets some killer pants out of the deal. He too. does get some killer pants that he takes, uh, that he puts on this striped. There's stars sewn into it. Um, they look almost bell-bottom-ish as well. Um, this is absolutely fantastic. But of course, Mary's boyfriend is calling and uh, he has she has him answer the phone um, and it doesn't go well because he must be a strongman competitor because this dude is huge. And I got to tell you, when he first started talking, I thought that it might be like like a modulated down Roy Kent, Brett Goldstein, because he had like the same like South Londoner accent that, that uh, Brett Goldstein does. <laughs> Well, we do know that Brett Goldstein is CGI, right? Yes, he so, is a CGI person. So, you know, we real. haven't actually addressed that conspiracy theory <laughs> on this uh, podcast yet. But uh, if you haven't seen that, I'm sure all our Lasso fans have. But go and look at uh, Brett Goldstein's um, 
Instagram and go and follow that rabbit hole of Roy Kent being a CGI character. But yeah. no, I actually was going to ask you immediately when I saw this, because I don't get into the whole wrestling thing. And mm-hmm. he looked, he had, he was built like a wrestler. And I was like, Jeremy, is this dude a wrestler? Yeah, or, I don't or recognize him. There is an, uh, a WWE affiliate in the United Kingdom called NXT UK, but I don't recognize this guy. So I don't think he is. He might be one of their trainees because you're right. He's got the body for it. <laughs> yeah. He needs to, he needs to get in the ring right he away. Needs to at least be doing some strongman competitions but uh this is honestly this is the only part of the episode that seems so a little ridiculous for me because as he chases him up to the roof beard literally does a jump off of like at least seven or six seven or eight stories into a dumpster (laughs) to escape this guy which i don't know i mean the jump seems feasible he does slowly climb out yeah no he's he's injured but like this is definitely like a jackie chan stunt and so i don't think it's impossible but man that's like it it's it's kind of like whoa ted lasso just did that yeah yeah um turned it into an action movie all of a sudden it's funny we go from noir to that but you know I, i think too you called it on the spot i'm so glad that i i host this with a film aficionado like you, Jeremy, because Uh um, here is where we start to get the beats of Scorsese's After Hours, especially when you're talking about the apartment scene. Mm -hmm. That is very reflective from that movie. If you haven't seen that movie, uh, it's worth a watch. Actually, I went back uh, because you called it based on the title alone. So when you saw the title, you were like, hey, we might want to make sure we check this movie out just to just in case. And so mm-hmm. I did. I, I rented it and I, I watched it this week. It's the first time I had ever seen it. And there are subtle nods and homages to that movie in Scorsese. And you, like you mentioned in our text thread earlier, because again, you're a genius about these kind of things. <laughs> it's a callback to season one, right? Right, right. Because of course, in season one, when they're having the episode about the ghosts of uh, Nelson Road, um, you know, they talk, of, they have this little side conversation about what is Martin Scorsese's best film. <laughs> and the answers are all fantastic. And then May shuts it down with Mean Streets. But I just thought like, when I saw Beard After Hours, and you know, thought about and I read the synopsis, I was like, huh, like I remember Scorsese made a kind of weird movie before he like exploded called After Hours that, you know, kind of follows this one guy on this crazy night in New York. And I thought like that sounds pretty similar. And you're right. The apartment scene is very, um, you know, evocative of that movie. And then, of course, also kind of like the beard getting chased by various people as well is uh-huh. also very evocative yeah. of that in in the tunnel which we're going to talk about also the fact that he can't find his way home uh-huh. because he has no money and all that like there are definitely some strong homages to that as well yeah absolutely but um so after this grand escape he jumps on a bus but of course he has no money so they kick him off the bus what a mean woman man <laughs> You just gotta let that guy go. Especially when he like he gives those puppy dog eyes and yeah. he, he tries to kind of give that Irish accent again. And, uh-huh. and she's just not having it. No, at all. she's not having it at all. But of course, this is where this is maybe like the funniest and weirdest conversation in the whole episode, though, because he goes into a hotel to try and uh borrow the phone to call somebody, and the uh, desk clerk will not let him use a phone, it's for guests only, and then he asks him to use his personal phone. And this guy is just not having it, talking about he's gonna steal his identity or steal his cryptocurrencies which he has none of. Uh, <laughs> it was just really, really strange there. Um, did this like kind of take it out for you or did you like this interaction? Uh, you know, I, I did. Like, again, I think that you have to like think of this as a surrealist episode. And I think if you go into that mindset where, and, and actually, um, I don't know if I want to bring it up now. I guess I will because uh, we're on this point. Yeah. But I think there's a specific reason why 
he shows that he's wearing the pants at the end of the episode because mm. then it takes off the consideration that this might have just all been a dream. Been a dream, you know, I got because, you. Yeah. Um, because I, if he's wearing the pants, you know, where did he get those if not for all of this crazy stuff actually happening? So yeah, um, it's very like subversive to what we are expecting out of a Ted Lasso episode. It's very surrealist. And I appreciate that as a one-off type of episode. Would I watch an entire series of these episodes? <laughs> I don't know that I would. Uh, would I be podcasting about an entire series of these episodes? I doubt it, but um, certainly for this one-off episode, I am uh, in support of it. Yeah, and this, of course, also leads us to, so he can't get help from this legitimate source here. So then as he's walking along the streets, he hears a group of people, and he thinks, okay, well, I'll just ask these people. And, of course, as you're right, he's going down this tunnel and everything, very Scorsese-like. And all of a sudden, he sees um, these three people in this blinding light coming towards him. Um, So he thinks he's got some help coming, but nope. Turns out Mr. Tart is back with his two companions. And again, this is where you get this real sense of foreboding here because they are literally going to beat the crap out of him because, of course, it was Beard who took uh, Jamie's dad out of the locker room by smashing his head into the door. Um, And this is really where the episode gets its darkest. Um, And, you know, Beard's trying to run away, but he can't get away. And so he has to fight. And again, Thierry It's not going well. Thierry Henry shows up again, and it's the the loudest one yet. He's just like, shut up, Thierry Henry, before he gets punched. Um, But then again, you're right, I have to call out Marcus Mumford's uh, very, very somber version of Blue Moon here, which is, of course, again, the Man City theme song. Um, it's watching Beard slow-mo getting beat up by these guys with that song underneath. I mean, it, it's a it's a somber and, and jarring part of the episode. So what did that do to you? Uh, it was tough because I didn't know which direction they were going to go at that point. Are they going to go ahead and put him in the hospital and make this a um, a much darker ending to this episode than what we had? I, I, I never, I don't ever think I felt like uh, at this point in the series that we would be losing a character. So I never went there in my mind. I just thought that from a logistic standpoint, you need to have Coach Beard around. And I understand that this, uh, it's been said many times that the writers, including Sudeikis and Hunt and Goldstein, have said that this is their Empire Strikes Back. This is going to, and, and and I think that we should anticipate that as an audience, that this is going to have some kind of dark ending to the end of the season yeah. that we're then going to be able to uh, rise up from in the third season, which, by the way, all of them just got a huge payout for. Right. So they're all going to be uh, very, very, very happy very going into the third season <laughs> and beyond the third season as well. But um, no, I just I I, I think it was a a cool way that it was shot. Uh, You got to experience the fight. You got to experience the hallucinations. And then this kind of white night of the boyfriend coming in and saving uh, is nice because then we don't have to like it, it can live in this weird dream statey kind of night. And we don't ever necessarily need to see that character again. He just came in saved the day and got out of here. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like, you know, the famous dart scene uh, and <laughs> Rebecca asked Ted, what are you doing? And he's like, I think some people call it white knighting. This is 100% white knighting right here uh, is that yeah. the fact that this guy that we have no reference to, he was just about to beat Beard up. He decides to come and save the day. Yeah. And this is, I think this actually plays on a theme too. I think this connects us to the rest of the season or maybe to the whole show, which is all about self-improvement and self-awareness. Um, Cause this guy, you know, like, yeah, he rescues him and Beard thinks, oh crap, 
crap, he's coming to finish me off here. But he literally is just coming to return his wallet and his phone, which he left in the apartment. And they have this amazingly fun and, and touching conversation where he talks about how he and Mary are going to have a baby and it makes him like more jealous. And, you know, like he used to cheat in the past. And so it makes him like very sensitive to cheating in the, right now. Um, and it's just a really, really touching thing where he's talking about how he's working on it and all of that kind of stuff. And then, of course, he also tells Beard how sorry he is for the match. Um, I believe he says, like, I'm not even a, a Richmond fan, but Mamma Mia, that was hard to watch. Um, so I just love that that keeps coming back. But um, I, and I do love that he, A, rides a scooter off, which is just so weird to me, this giant dude it's on so a scooter. Um, but also, I, I believe what he says to him when he leaves is, you know, uh, be lucky. And that's an interesting phrase, you know, where Beard says that he's trying to. But, of course, this leads Beard um, back to the street where our trio of bar of barmates finds him. That turns out they've taken those Oxford kids for a lot of money back at the, at the honey bar. And they've rented a limousine and he asked them to take him home and such. Um, as that's happening, Beard, uh, once he gets out of the car, gives them this address and says, tell Renee Beard said it was okay. Um, and sends them on their way. But of course, he can't get into his house, Greg, because his key breaks off calling out when he came in the first time. And then, of course, because it has to, it's starts raining so beard is running his way into a church here what do you think of all of this sequence as we get to the big grand finales here the only thing that you've missed there was that when he got his phone back he had like something like 84 missed calls and 72 missed Miss messages, messages where of course versa, jane says um, from jane yeah and of course in the midst of this jane says i love you i love i love you yeah and of course and right so, after he tries to call her his phone dies i just love it it's just sometimes that stuff can seem so trite it's just like oh my god of course but like right here it just works so perfectly it really does because it's like um, Coach Beard's awful, very terrible, no good, very bad day or very bad right. night or whatever. Um, it's just so great that the <laughs> comedy of errors that nothing is just going this guy's way. Uh, and of course, we get that call back to the three from the pub who kind of come in and drive him to his house. And they're getting to go to uh, what amounts to be like one of the best scenes of the entire episode. So yeah. I absolutely love the scene we have coming up. Yeah, so um, this is interesting because Beard goes into a church. Um, he recognizes this cross, this neon cross from a picture that Jane sent him earlier where she was trying to get him to come to this club that she was at. Um, and so he goes into the church while it's still raining and stuff, and he has this really kind of profound heart-to-heart -heart <laughs> with God here where he's talking about Jane and, you know, where he basically says that, like, he cares for her so much. And I'll try to, you know, read part of this quote because I like the first part of it later. But um, he basically says, he's just like, I don't, I don't think that she can fix what ails me, but when I'm with her, the world is more interesting. And so, I don't know, the whole way that this show, this uh, whole sequence ends kind of makes me think differently about Jane, but I'll ask you that question too. But of course, once the once the rain stops, um, and we'll get to the bartend, bar friends uh, pretty soon here, but um, Beard actually starts hearing some music, and it turns out that this club is somewhere in the midst of this church, <laughs> somewhere like in the underground of this church or something. It's a speakeasy, man. Yeah. And it, actually, it have you ever been to a speakeasy like that yeah, I went to yeah. one in chicago once uh this shows that we're from like small town yeah, midwest yeah. but um 
I went to one in Chicago and it was so cool because they had like the secret door that you had to get into and you had to give a, a password or right. whatever. I mean, they put on like the whole nine yards and it, it did kind of remind me of that. And maybe we do have listeners from the UK. Yeah. Uh, tell me, tell us tell about me if, it. Tell it, us like, if this what, exists. What, what is this kind of club? Uh, so definitely email us that. Yeah. And, and so what I love here though, is like the techno music. It's a great song called uh, hello. And it, I loved it. I've watched the sequence a lot of times, but beard finally just kind of cuts loose and starts dancing, which we only ever saw in that charity ball um, from oh, season he's one. Such a great dancer. He is a oh. really good dancer oh, here. So I was good. just like, I want to dance with this guy. But of course, this is where we see that Jane is still here. She, um, he started to walk towards her. And she says like, no, try this on and gives him a hula hoop. And he starts this hula hoop dance off on the stage, which of course he does. Um, Cause this is what beard does. Um, but, and then, you know, as he comes back down to her, there seems to be this look of understanding between them. And then they just start joyfully dancing with each other. So Craig, aside from all the amazingness of the sequence, I start to think a little differently about Jane here, you know, like it really seems like whatever their really weirdness that, you know, Higgins called out in the first part of the season, they seem to genuinely like being around each other and doing things with each other. So did this change your perception of Jane just a little bit? We get to at least uh, experience her a bit. We are kind of secondary or really like tertiary to the conversations that are happening around Beard about Jane. Right. So we hear all of these things about control issues and how she's no good for him. But those are from um, potentially secondary sources or uh, whatever the case may be. So it's kind of nice to be able to see their interactions. And sometimes like we all know those people that are in what you would think would be a completely dysfunctional relationship for most people. Right. But for some reason, the two of them work. And there are those that uh, fight all the time. And it seems like that's maybe they're into that, not to get uh, to uh, TMI or anything like that. Uh, but, you know, it's like you get uh, you get those kind of relationships. And I feel like maybe we are learning more about Jane Payne and maybe we will moving forward. <laughs> yeah, Jane Payne. Um, so uh, the only other part of this episode here is where the friends get to go. They find Renee. It's this weird cobblestone door. They go down this very long cobblestone tunnel of sorts um, and this blinding light happens and they ask if it's heaven. And he says, no, it's Nelson Road. And so obviously Beard has let them go onto the field and live their wildest Richmond Greyhounds dreams uh, all to the tune of Freddie Mercury and Queens. We are the champions. Um, it's a really, really fun little sequence here. Um, real quick, what do you think of these guys getting to? Why didn't play they know there? the address? You'd think, wouldn't right? They, wouldn't they know the address? Or at I least know, that it's near the that, stadium. Other than that, other than uh, the cognitive dissonance that happens with that, I will say that this is just remarkable. This is uh, everything as a fan. Like this is like you and me oh, uh, getting to go to Lambo and just run everything. around and kick, <laughs> like try to kick a field goal and miss or whatever. Like although they do pretty well on the pitch, actually. Yeah. But no, it it uh, it's it's glorious. It's really fun to see this payoff for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So the end of the episode finds us back in the coach's office. Everyone's wondering where Beard is. Um, um, Nate's again, it's kind of like a little jerkish here. I think he's just like, well, I'm going to get a coffee. His beard's not coming. Um, but I might just be reading into that. Um, but beard does show up with the coffee. Um, and of course this black eye on his face, Ted asks him if everything's all right. And he says he fell out of bed. Um, he must've fallen out of bed and hit his, hit his face. And Roy's reaction is so great. He's just like, oh yeah, yeah. That's something that happens. <laughs> so, that, that's a thing. Yeah. yeah. I absolutely love that. Yeah, and then, great. uh, 
the Benny Hill, of course, Ted is Which, like, there's you know sometimes what? that is secretly yeah. a really great, brilliant thing that he does there because everybody is so depressed about this game. And he literally turns it like, okay, you know what? Let's live it as a joke and get past it. And that's actually, again, yeah. I'm just like, Ted is a good coach. He understands it, man. Sometimes you just have to move on. You and I are Packer fans. We just saw them get demolished last week. And I mean, like, but it's right. The only thing you could do with a game like that is just be like, well, that wasn't our day and move on. Yeah. And, you know, uh, especially in this instance, because in this weird world of soccer uh, or English football, Mm -hmm. my apologies, uh, (laughs) this is like a tournament that happens within the middle of the season. So we got to get back to the season here. Like, you know, this doesn't really impact their actual uh, chances within the season. So we're going to see that towards as we go towards the last few episodes of season two here. Um, But yeah, I do enjoy uh, the to see those guys back. And it kind of allows us to now that the camera has been solely focused and following Beard it does shift back to most of our main supportive characters here with uh, the coaches in the office. And it also allows your brain to do that shift of like, was this all like, what was this? Was this just a fantasy episode? Mm -hmm. And again, I think that's why they show us the pants to be like, Nope, this really happened. This all, uh, this all is Canon for all Mm -hmm. of us that uh, like that term, but (laughs) but yeah, it's, it was a, it was an interesting episode. Again, I think we needed a palate cleanser after man city. And I'm glad that they decided to add this episode in because we don't know, you know, like the next episode, I think is going to be some weighty stuff. Uh, We, we should be able to get more Sam and Rebecca. So that might help us uh, be able to balance that out. But yeah, overall, Good episode. Wouldn't necessarily want a whole season of it, uh, but I'm glad that we were able to have this little fun adventure with Coach Beard, and I'm glad that he's all right. Yes, he is all right. He had his he had his craziness, and he is all right. But I do love you, right though. That um, just a very little thing as the camera is panning out of the office, and you see Jason today because you see Ted Lasso notice the pants and give like a little look at it, but he doesn't like mention it or anything. It's it's literally just like a furrowed brow type thing. It's just like, huh, that's weird. Um, but you know, just keep going. Um, you are right though. Uh, I really like this episode. I think it's great. I know there's going to be fans who don't like it because we just came off of a lot of character development and a lot of story payoff in the last episode. But as placeholders go, this is pretty great. I think this is as much as you can ask for because, yeah, we're going to get into some stuff. I mean, next week's episode is called No Weddings and a Funeral. So, I mean, like, that seems to be pretty straightforward, not just a play on the famous Oscar-nominated film, but, you know, it seems no weddings and a funeral. So it seems like we're getting something heavy there. I have a prediction on that, but I'm not going to say it here because I don't want to ruin it if it actually happens but um so anyway what we should do is like after we're done here you should record a bit of audio with your prediction (laughs) and then we can play it next week and see if you were right or i can make fun of you yeah there you go one of those two things will happen probably the second um so (laughs) that's gonna do it folks for this episode of peanut butter and biscuits um but before we leave it's time for everyone's favorite part it's time for our tedism Tedisms. For each week, we share Biscuit's Truth. Yes, it is time for Tedisms. What do we do in an episode with no Ted? I know. I mean, we, we get a little bit of Tedisms, I guess. But... <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. So uh, I think I'm going to go first, if that's okay. Go for it. I love, uh, <laughs> I love this, like, because you know, you said we're we're Packer fans. That's come up a couple of times in this episode. And I think Aaron Rodgers is actually a uh, firm believer in this idea of basically like a. I, I don't know the actual name of the theory, but it's a basically like that we living in the oh, matrix. The simulation theory, the, yeah. The simulation, yeah. So <laughs> it, it, at the end of all those questions that are. Asked, answered at the pub beard looks so seriously and says so in conclusion if all this is indeed a simulation which everything in my experience suggests that it is then all we can do is tip our caps to the rascal pulling the strings i yep. love it and everybody's it. like, like again oh. it's just that bit of philosophy and deepness in the middle of a ted lasso episode exactly and uh, before that though we he had the uh <laughs> when they asked him all the three questions he said one of mine is uh, I've been to Vegas many times. One night is great. Two is perfect. Three is too many, <laughs> which I, as someone who has been to Vegas, pretty accurate, <laughs> pretty accurate. Now you say that Benny Hill is a example of Ted being a good coach. Beard also gives us a great example of him being a good coach. And that is when uh, all the Oxford guys are coming up to the pool table mm -hmm. and they're in the members only club. And the three pub patrons are all kind of like weird about things and they're really nervous. And then Beard, without missing a beat, says, knock that shit off. You belong. And I love that. Mm -hmm. Like, you belong. So, like, there's a perfect pause. It delivered perfectly. It's great. Yeah, absolutely. And also in that one, one of mine is uh, where they were asking him, how on earth did you answer all those questions correctly? And he says, I dated a professor at Oxford and I listen more than I talk. And I love that. I just love that idea. It's just like too many people try to talk too much. Like just take some time and listen. You might save your ass in a bar one day. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I love it. You know, I, I loved all this episode. Did you have any others that you wanted to mention? So the noir one, uh, when he's meeting up with Mary on the street, um, she asked him about his pants ripped and he says they're designed that way to make it easier for people to kiss my ass, which I thought was great. He delivers it so straight. I have no clue he, how nobody he like, delivers it in laughing. a he delivers it in a noir way. I mean, you could tell that these guys are film fans uh, yeah. as they're going into the writing room here. Absolutely. For sure. The only other one, uh, the very first part of his prayer to God really got me where he says, uh, hey, God, it's me, Margaret's little boy, which is, of course, a playoff of like, I think the Judy Bloom book, it's me, Margaret. Um, so but Margaret's little boy, I just like that he did like kind of made himself known as that, you know, not his name. And he's a longtime listener, first time caller, which is great standard radio thing. Um, and he says, I know you're probably busy because you have bigger fish to multiply and then fry as you do. Which <laughs> is again, just fantastic Ted Lasso writing. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, you know, I've said what I felt about this episode being kind of a one-off. What about you? Let's end on your thoughts on the episode, and then we'll wrap this thing up. I don't think they'll reference it again, if that's what you're asking. But I think that it is valuable. It's valuable to us because we need to see. Because I think you're right. We're not we're not heading for roses here. There's still a big crash coming um, from all of these guys, especially the coaching staff. I think. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's important that we get some perspective that. Beard isn't some sad sack that's getting controlled by Jane or anything like that. He genuinely likes the relationship. He takes these losses harder than Ted, um, as we already saw in season one when he exploded on him in the bar. Um, and, you know, like it's 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 important for us to get the context. We've gotten Roy's deeper context. We've gotten Nate's deeper context. We've definitely gotten Ted's deeper context. We need to know Beard's deeper context because the, all four of these guys, I think, are heading for a very big crash. Um, so I think you're right about that. 
I uh, completely agree. Did you like the episode? Oh, I loved it. I loved it. I've watched it many times already. Um, it's just, I think that it's a lot of fun. Um, that We get some great interactions with people we don't normally do. And of course, it's my boy Beard. I'm going to watch it a million times. Brendan Hunt for You're life. Right. You're right. Brendan Hunt for life. So <laughs> uh, fun episode. I think I'm ready to dive back into the story next week, but it was kind of a, a fun uh, departure from that. I will say again, I uh, mentioned this up at the top. But we do have a special episode coming out next week as well. So be sure to check that out. And I will just throw out there now. I'm going to talk a lot about the 10% Happier app in that episode. Um, it is something that a lot of the intro level things are free for anyone. Uh, if you want a, a friend code even, uh, happy to send that to you and talk to you about it. Just email me at frontrowlasso at gmail.com. And I'm happy to do that. But uh, really love the work Dan Harris is doing. And I'm super anxious, nervous, excited, all those things <laughs> to talk to him uh, and bring that to you. It's going to be great. So um, obviously we already told you where you can find all of us um, and anywhere the Front Row Network and of course FrontRowLasso at gmail.com. So that's going to do it for this one. We will see you next week for No Weddings and a Funeral episode 10 of season two. Three episodes left, folks. Get excited. We are almost there. So um, for Peanut Butter and Biscuits, I'm Jeremy Geckner. And I'm Craig McFarland. And as always, folks, be a goldfish. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Front Row Network, a proud Community Voices member of National Public Radio Illinois. For more from the Front Row Network, including our articles or our other dozens of shows, visit thefrontrownetwork.com or nprillinois.org slash programs slash network. You can also find us on social media by searching for the Front Row Network on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram, and on Twitter at Front Row Reviews with a Z.